I like Starbucks if it's your first day here. So, yeah. You know, that's how things come together sometimes for me. And uh, no, I didn't put my message together last night. And uh, yes, we are going to talk about Starbucks uh, and get kind of Starbucks perspective on, on Christmas. We're in a series, uh, Perfect Gift. We've been looking at how to get Christmas right. You know, by getting closer to God, by dialing down consumerism in our lives, and making some important decisions. I mean, I'm talking about family decisions, friend decisions, decisions to help people that are less fortunate than us. So that when we look back on this Christmas, when we look back, we can look back with some satisfaction and say, you know what, Christmas was great this year, that we got it right. We all got it right. And that's our goal, very simple. Experience the perfect gift of Jesus Christ and give the perfect gift to our families, to our friends, and people that are less fortunate than us. Now, so far we've looked at staples. Uh, We looked at some easy buttons that we can hit and things that will kind of help us open and reopen the the perfect gift of, of Jesus Christ. And I challenged you at the beginning of this Christmas season, to read Luke 1, or Luke 2, 1 through 20, the, the Christmas story. Because I believe that if we can read it and, and re, reimagine it, that if we can kind of tether ourselves to that Christmas story, that it'll pay in very high dividends in our life. And then last week, we got a Barnes & Noble perspective, and we talked about how our expectations get in the way that many people missed that first Christmas because they were looking for a noble instead of looking in barns. And that we ask a simple question of ourselves, what are you expecting? Because I think that's what trips us up. I, I think that we talk, talked about just the, the idea that you can miss Christmas so easy by uh, getting involved in all the Christmas extravaganza, the, the fanfare, the parties, the presents, uh, you know, all of this stuff, and that if we could change our expectation for Christmas, that we will find that God's in the ordinary things, that God's in the simplistic, in the clutter, in the mess, that God many times is in the barns of our life. And today what I want to do is take it up a notch, and I want to kind of caffeinate your Christmas, all right? And uh, I, I want to look at some real intentional steps that we can take toward God. And we're going to take our, our cues from a group of guys that were very serious seekers. You know, Christmas is a time of searching, isn't it? I mean, uh, one of the most popular questions at Christmas time is, what do you want for Christmas? We answer that, we ask that, it's a popular, popular question. You know, what, what do you want this Christmas? You know, a Wii, an iPod, a D-Rex. Ladies are going diamonds, but, you know, whatever. What is it you're looking for? What are you searching for? And I would argue that this year, especially, that people are searching. I mean, with all the economic issues in the world, the instability in the stock market, the rise of unemployment, world conflict... I believe that it has caused people to kind of step back and ask deeper questions of themselves. To ask, you know, why am I here? 
You know, what, where am I going in my life? What's important? And I think because people are kind of trimming their sails, and they may be doing it for economic reasons, but because we're paring back, I think we're asking deeper questions. And because of that, I believe this year has the potential for all of us to get Christmas right, to get the right focus. You know, on that first Christmas, there was a group of guys. They were called Magi's. And uh, these guys were caffeinated. I mean, I believe they did that because they pulled all-nighters all the time. You know, the, the first Christmas, they were, they were searching for truth. They were seeking God. And I'll be honest with you, I've always liked the Magi. I, I found them captivating. Uh, they're kind of mysterious. Uh, every year, the church, church I was part of, we did the annual uh, Christmas play. I always wanted to be a Magi. I did not want to be a shepherd. I mean, shepherds got a bathrobe and a towel on their head, but the Magi, man, they got crowns, and they got jewels, and they were flashy. They dressed like rock stars, in my opinion. And so I was like, I like that. You know, they were, they were royal. They were sophisticated. They were respected. People kind of oohed when they, when they walked in. And it made me always wonder, who were these guys? I mean, who were they? The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about them. We don't have very many detail. And we talked a little bit about them last week, that the Magi were kind of secular magicians. Uh, We know that they came from the East, from history and archaeology. They were Persian, probably Iranian, more than likely. And we know that they were kind of a combination of astrologer and scientist and doctor and philosopher. And we know that they traveled for months maybe a couple years. We don't know how many there were. Most of the time when you see a nativity scene, there's three, right? But the Bible doesn't tell us that. The the Bible says there were three gifts. And so the thought is three gifts, three guys. Now, apparently they're not the guys I hang around, but three gifts and three guys. That's what we come to. I think there could have been dozens of them. Historically, we know that the Magi traveled in large caravans. And that they were, because they were so wealthy, they had to have armies to protect them. And so we don't know a lot more about them, but we know what these guys did. That's where Matthew helps us out. I mean, these guys worked the night shift. They studied stars. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine with me just a little bit. Morning, Jasper. Looks like it's going to be a great night. It's clear out. Sure is. Clearest I've seen in years. Buckshare. Espresso. You almost done? Hey, Buck. I'll take a triple shot. Hold the cream. Hey, check this out. Do you see it? Do you see that star? It, it, it looks like the star. You know, the one Grandpa told us about. What? The star, Buck. The star, Buck. It could have happened that way. It did in my Christmas story. The original. (laughs) It must have been an amazing evening. 
Every evening, these guys got together. They, they combed the sky. They paid attention to detail. They documented changes. And one night, the star, and it changed their lives. You know, Matthew writes in Matthew 2, he says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. Several things jump at me when I read that part of scripture. One is, these guys are observant. They were paying attention to detail. They saw a change in the celestial skies, and they started asking questions. What's this mean? Where is that star? And and then they started seeking answers to it. They, they, They packed their bags, and they head on a journey to find the answer. I can imagine as they're packing up and getting ready to leave town, people notice that they're heading. They're like, are you going on a journey? Yeah. Where are you going? Hmm, not sure. How far are you going? Don't really know. Now, how long are you going to be gone? Don't know that either. Someone's going, for wise men, you sure don't know very much, do you? You know, I mean, these guys pack up and go on a journey. And I said this before, it just baffles me not one religious leader ends up there. I mean, there were a lot of them in Jerusalem, five-mile journey for them, and not one of them makes that journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. But these guys, these pagan guys, these foreigners, make a serious commitment. They travel at least the better part of a year, maybe a couple years, and they are genuinely seeking, and they find Jesus. You know, I believe one of the problems today is we want things easy. I mean, we want to know what's right. We want to know what we ought to do with our lives. We'd like to know God, but we're busy. We're busy. We're too busy to search. We're too busy to ask questions. We're too busy to to seek answers to those questions. And I'll be honest with you, I just find it sad. We're just too busy. But in those moments, those moments when we quietly think about the possibilities, like, do I really matter? Why am I here? Those times when you feel unsatisfied in life or unfulfilled or maybe a bit confused. Friends, that can be a shining moment. It's a star. You know, God created that moment. And in that moment, God is trying to help you go on a quest to find answers, to find a way to fill that that God hole in, in your life. I mean, you've been trying to fill it up before probably with things like money and fame and power and pleasure. But at some point in life, you say, you know what, I can't figure this out. And you start seeking God. You start seeking answers. And the great news is that when you take that step where you start trying to find out the truth and you start seeking God, what you find out is 
that God wants a relationship with you, that God's always been seeking you and looking for you. And, and that's a Christmas story. You know, I love the promise from Jeremiah. It says, when you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. So here's what I want to say to you today. You know, if, if you're here kind of checking things out, you know, trying to figure out what God's all about, you know, if Jesus is real, if Christianity's true, you're in the right place. Because God loves seekers. He always has. People who are willing to ask questions, to try and find the truth. They're willing to go on a journey of some sort to find him. Because what I know about God is God wants us to know him. God wants us to love him and trust him and follow him. And most of all, he wants a relationship with you and with me. Christmas story isn't about religion. It's about relationship. Religion, I've said this before, it's about rules and regulations and ritual and all this stuff. Relationship, completely different thing. Completely different. In fact, I believe when you can grasp that, that then you find the joy of the Christian walk. Then you find the joy of what Christmas is really about because it's about relationship. I challenge you, seek. Seek God this Christmas. You know, whether, whether you are trying to figure it out or you've been a, a Christ follower for years, seek God. God will give you signs in your life. God will give you clues to kind of guide you along the way. You know, you're not on your own. One of the big clues is God gave you a Bible. You know, and he says, you know what, I'll help you. This will be a good guide for you. The Magi, God provided a star. He's provided a star, not twinkle, twinkle, little star, but a special star. You know, scholars have speculated that maybe it was a comet or, or supernova that came through. But we know these guys followed it. And they followed it, and it took them to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem. What's interesting to me when I read, read the, the story is it doesn't indicate whether anybody else ever saw the star, which makes me wonder a couple things. I, I wonder if they had, like, special equipment. Uh, in other words, they were able to see kind of ahead of their time the Galileo of their day. And so they had some stuff, and they were able to spot it. Or... Maybe it was a special star, custom-made, and only the Magi could see it. I mean, God's done that before, hadn't he? I mean, he would use things to get people's attention. We got Moses, had a burning bush. Gideon, it was an angel. Hezekiah, God made a sundial go backwards. God is always providing clues. They just come out different. For this journey, it was a star. Chances are every one of us here today has a star in in your life and mine. You know, maybe, uh, maybe it's a book you read or maybe it's a person you know or an experience that you've had. Uh, God can even use TV. Maybe he's using this church. But I have no doubt if you are seeking, trying to find truth in your life, that God puts People in your path and things in your path to guide you. You know, people, sometimes it might be a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend or a co-worker. Star. It's a star. 
If you're a follower already, I believe God gives you stars as well. God will put people in your life to encourage you, to, to help, help us grow in our life. God, God does that often. And here's the question. What are the stars in your life? Who are they? What are they? You know, because when you realize that you have stars in your life, people that are guiding you, things that are guiding you, then you realize that God's involved in your life because God's using those things. You know, it, usually people react a couple ways when they, they realize God is trying to touch their life or to move them in a direction. And people do one of about three things. One, they, they kind of react like Herod, out of fear. You know, and so they're so afraid of being guided by God that they just kind of push back. You know, some people are like the religious leaders. They were indifferent, apathetic, skeptical. In fact, they just ignored the star. Or some people react like the Magi, celebrate with a lot of joy in their life. Matthew goes on, he says, and when they saw the star, read with me, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They jumped up and down, they were excited, they celebrated. People knew that they were jazzed about what was going on. And friends, if you are a believer... You ought to get jazzed this time of the year. You ought to get excited during the Christmas season. And I would challenge you to thank God for the stars in your life. The people that have helped you grow and have encouraged you. In other words, take those things and those events and celebrate them. Whoever they are. Whatever they are. You know, thank God for them. Thank God that he provided And I'd even challenge you a little bit further and say, you know what you ought to do? You ought to get on the phone. Or you ought to write a note to the stars in your life. People that have helped you take that that step with Christ. And just say, you know what? It was 20 years ago. It was 40 years ago or whatever. And say, I want you to know you were a star in my life. And you made a difference. And because of you, I walk with Christ today. You ought to remind them. You ought to thank them. Exceeding joy. Stars. God uses people to guide us. Now, if you're not, haven't taken that step, just ask God to provide stars in your life. Help you recognize the stars. Just pray a simple prayer and just say, you know what, God? Help me see Whatever it is I need to see, whatever it is you're providing to, to guide me, help me see that stuff. God, God uses a lot of things to get our attention, and uh, he uses a lot of things to keep your attention, too. Sometimes God uses pain. It's interesting how pain works. You know, the, the fact is God loves you so much, he's not willing to watch you trip through life and stumble through life. You know, wander aimlessly through life. I know this year for some, this has been a tough year. I mean, a really tough year. You know, for some, they've watched their marriage go 
backwards or upside down or fall apart. You know, other people are watching their kids spin out of control. You know, for some, they're facing health issues this year. For some of you, it's financial life. The bottom's dropping out and you don't see any end in sight. And for some, they're watching their goals, their dreams just evaporate. But I want to give you a little perspective. Have you ever considered that those things just might be stars? You know, maybe maybe God's using those things to get our attention. You know, God, God did not create us to live life on our own. And something I figured out, and this is true for me in my life, that problems and pain remind me I need God. They scream, I need God. And I think God uses that stuff. Luke writes, he says, but the angel said to them, now they're talking about the shepherds here, but do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. Christmas is good news. It's good news. Jesus came to save us. To be our savior. You know, when, when we hear the word salvation, or somebody says, I'm saved, I mean, what, what does that mean? What does it mean? Saved from what? What's it mean to have Jesus as your savior? You know, we've been talking about opening ourselves up to the perfect gift, to open our, our lives to, to Jesus Christ, that you find so much in that, but most of all, Savior. You, you, find, you find forgiveness for your past. I mean, all the things you've messed up and you're ashamed of. You find purpose, power for living today. Find security for, for your future, you know, in, in eternity. Past, present, future. We talked a little bit about this in Graceland. But salvation... That's why it was the perfect gift. This is what we needed. I mean, if you seek God this Christmas, I believe what you find is salvation and you find joy because it's a gift from God also. You know, John 10 says, I came to give you life. Jesus says, life in all of its fullness. It has always bothered me when I watch too many people do not live life. They just exist. They, they don't enjoy life. They endure life. And here's what I believe. That is what happens when you're trying to live life on your own. Do it your way. Do it without God. But, but if you want to find true joy, you want to find that fullness in life, I challenge you this Christmas to put Christ in the center. Look for the stars. Because when you find the stars, when you realize God's hands in your life, I think that's when you find joy. It's when you recognize that it is a gift, that Jesus Christ is that gift. Do you recognize that? I mean, who's this baby? Who was this baby? I mean, 
Hundreds of babies were probably born that Christmas night. But this baby would split history, A.D. and B.C. What was so special? Why? Again, seekers ask questions all the time. I mean, who was this baby? It was God in human form. He came, why? So so we'd know him. It's a strange thing. You know, I think about all that we know from from nature about God. I mean, all you got to do is look around and you know that God's powerful. We know that God is creative. We know that God likes variety. Just take a look around the world and you go, hmm, that's God. But there are a lot of things we would not know about God if God had not come to this earth. Like we wouldn't know God loves us. We wouldn't know God's caring. We wouldn't know he's personal. We wouldn't know he's available. We wouldn't know that God has a plan for our lives. Do you ever ask the question, I always wonder, why did God have to come as a baby? You ever wonder that? I, I don't know the answer to that, by the way, but my, my assumption, this is an assumption, I think God said, you know what? I don't want people to be afraid. Now, Who's afraid of babies? I mean, seriously. You know. There's just something very drawing, loving. I think that's why God came that way. You know, Colossians, the first chapter says, Paul writes, he says, Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything. For by him, catch this, All things were created, everything in heaven and earth. That baby in the manger made you, made me. The Christmas story is amazing when you consider that the creator of the universe, the God that created you and me, decided that he would condense himself, basically, and come as a helpless innocent little baby and put himself in the hands of flawed human beings. If you grasp that, it just kind of hits you. Perfect gift. It's a perfect gift. Seek God. Look for God. The, 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 the perfect gift that God offers you on a daily basis. You know, because, because of that perfect gift, what do we do? We give gifts at Christmas, right? In fact, billions of dollars, bucks, big bucks, are going to be spent this month. Why? Well, it all started with God. For God so loved the world... Gave his only son. God took initiative. Christmas was a gift. And so, you know, this Christmas, when you're opening your gifts, remember that. You know, a couple of things have to happen when, when you uh, get a gift. You have to recognize it and you have to receive the gift. I mean, that's just a, a given. How many of you have ever got a gift and after you opened it, you go... This is great. What is it? 
Now, no, no kidding, we had uh, our family Christmas uh, last night, and my granddaughter, we got her an easel, and she opened it up, and she, she was like, wow, what is it? She, she did no idea, no idea. And then after we told her, she's like, oh, cool, you know. But you can't use a gift if you don't know what it is. Until you realize, friends, that the Christmas gift that God gave us is God with us. You, 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 if you grasp that, if you get that, if you understand that, then, then you can plug into Christmas. Otherwise, I think you can miss the real reason for Christmas. I think a lot of things do not make sense if you don't understand that it's God with us. I think it's easy for things to get twisted, for us to spend tons of money that we shouldn't be spending, because it gets twisted if you don't get that. And not only do you need to, to grasp that, but you've got to receive the perfect gift. If this morning, if I was to pull a brand new Mercedes out here on stage and say, I'm going to give this car away to the first person that can get up here. First of all, I'd be mobbed. Secondly, some of you would get trampled. But we would all sit where we are initially and go, hey, that's a Mercedes. We would recognize it. But friends, it would not be yours till you got up here and received it. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. It's the same with the perfect gift that God gives you. You know, the fact is that uh, gifts, you have to, to accept them. Let's say uh, you gave me a gift. And you see me like in the middle of the year. And you go, hey, How'd you like your Christmas gift? Oh, man, beautiful. That bow was so elegant. In fact, it's sitting on my table at home. Uh, Now, unfortunately, I haven't opened it yet, uh, not unwrapped it. And you'd be thinking, I can't believe this guy. I always knew he was weird. Now it's true. I know it. Friends, people do this all the time with God's gift. That perfect gift, year after year. I know people that celebrate Christmas every year. They really get into it. They string lights and they put up trees and they sing Christmas carols and they do the gift exchange thing. They even go to church. But they haven't received the gift of Jesus Christ. Some people recognize, they go, you know, I I believe. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe the Bible. I mean, I'm, I'm into that stuff. But friends, I want to tell you, it's not enough. That's not enough. Because at some point, you have to receive Christ. You have to open your life up to God. You have to invite God in and say, you know what, I want you to be my Savior. You know, I know that for some of you, you don't recognize that reality yet. And it's okay if you keep seeking, if you keep looking, if you keep asking questions like, who was this child? What child is this? Was it really God? Just keep asking that stuff. You know, is Jesus really who he claims to be? And here's what I know. If you keep seeking, 
You will find. You will find. The, the Magi. The Magi recognize the perfect gift. After all their searching, after all their sacrifice, they we find these guys at the manger worshiping God. You know, Matthew writes, he says, when the Magi went into the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They recognized it was God. They were filled with awe. They fell down on their knees. They, they, they laid themselves out before the king of kings. And they gave these gifts. They, and they were extravagant gifts. They spent serious bucks on their gifts. They didn't show up and find the baby and go, hey, let's go to the mall and find something for him. They bought gifts, expensive stuff. Their whole search, I would argue, was costly. I mean, it cost them living in the comfort of their home. It cost them the months, possibly years, that they were on the road and traveling. They had the cost of the trip. They had the cost of these lavish gifts. I mean, they gave gold. That was a gift for a king. Serious bucks. Serious bucks. Big bucks. Frankincense. That was an incense that they burned during worship in that day. It was made from the bark of trees from Arabia. Extremely rare, extremely costly, more bucks. But I think they were saying, God's worthy of our worship. And then they gave a weird gift, a very strange gift. A gift that you normally would not give to a baby. And that was, they gave myrrh. That was given for someone that had died. It was used in embalming in that day. Again, costly, more bucks. And I'm not sure that the Magi fully understood the significance of the gifts that they gave, but they knew that that was the Savior. And that first Christmas, it must have been something. And yet most of the world missed it. They weren't looking. They weren't searching. They weren't paying attention to the stars. I mean... Friends, when you seek God, what I know is ultimately you find God. And when you find God, where it takes you is a place called worship. And I find it interesting, the the Magi didn't waste their worship. They didn't waste it at all. These guys didn't waste it on worshiping the star or Joseph or Mary. They worshiped the baby that was in the manger, the Savior of the world, because that was the only one that was worthy of worship. Now, I know we are all here for different reasons. Some of, them, of us, it's a, it's a habit. It's what you do at Christmas time. It's just what we do. For some, you saw an ad in the paper. You said, hmm, I'm going to go check out what's going on there. Some of you are here because you heard that we've got great music, and we do. Some of you uh, are here because maybe a friend invited you, and I would tell you that's one of your stars if that happened. Some of you are here because you didn't know where else to go. You're running out of options. And here's what I want to tell you. However you got here, regardless of the reason, it's not an accident. 
It's not an accident. A long time before you were ever born, God knew that you'd be sitting here in this auditorium on this day and that you would slow down just long enough and get quiet enough that God could say, you know what, I love you. You matter to me. You're important. I saw you when you were first being formed in your mother's womb. And I have never missed one heartbeat in your life. And I know about your hurts, and I know about your pains, and I know about the things you celebrate in life, and the things you're ashamed of. I know all of them, every single one. And God would tell you that he loves you, and that he has a plan for your life, and that he wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to know him as much as you know as he knows you. Friends, just as sure as God guided the Magi to Bethlehem, God guided you here today. For the Magi, it all started late, late one night. Maybe, maybe they were drinking espresso. That's my version. But they were pulling another all-nighter. And they were looking at the sky, and they spotted a star. It all started with a star. And it led them across the wilderness to Bethlehem, and it led them to the Savior of the world. Matthew records that after that experience, Scripture says, they went home another way. And if you know anything about Matthew, Matthew does not waste words. And I believe he wanted us to pick up on the fact that it had a double meaning there. That not only geographically did they go home a different way, but they went home a different way. They were changed in every way. And I also know that's what happens when you meet the creator of this universe. When you encounter God, the perfect gift, it changes everything. It all started with a star. Can you imagine that? Friends, I pray that you just let God guide you. That you open yourself up and just say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm seeking you. Whether, whether you're a Christian today and have been walking with God for 60 years. Or whether you're like, I'm trying to figure this thing out. You just say, you know what, God, I'm seeking you this Christmas. That's an unbelievable gift. And God will fill whatever it is that you need. I know that. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we thank you for that amazing star that showed up one night. Signal to the world. That you'd come to join us in this world. And God, I just pray that uh, as we approach that day of celebration, that we remember that, God, we would have that same passion in us to, to find you. God, I thank you that you love us so much. You, you're willing to guide us prompt us, encourage us. 
wherever we're at in our walk, whether we're still trying to find you or we've been walking with you so long and we don't remember not walking with you. God, I thank you for the journey. I thank you for your grace and mercy. And I thank you that you loved us so much you came to this world. God, we celebrate that with exceedingly great joy. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.